Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media and the World of Ink Network. This podcast was founded in 2011 by Marsha Casper Cook and Virginia Grenier. Their focus has always been on helping writers reach their dreams by having informative and entertaining shows. You will also hear the latest information on what's new and exciting in the publishing and marketing industry. And the shows will also cover discussions on screenwriting, audiobooks and movies. New to the shows will be the latest style and trends in fashion, as well as nutrition and how Pinterest can add just the right spark of attention you may need for your projects. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. You can find out more information about our shows and being a guest at www.michiganavenuemedia.com. Hi, everybody. Happy Tuesday, and uh, I'm hoping everybody's feeling well, and we have a great inauguration coming tomorrow, so uh, we'll, we can talk about that a little bit later. And I have two, two great award-winning authors, R.G. Belsky and Jim Nesbitt, and with them on, I, I, if you don't want to hear me talk, you might not, <laughs> but two of them will be able to carry it just fine. Two journalists here with a lot to say, so I'll let them introduce themselves, and then we'll just get on with the show. Uh, Jim, why don't you tell everybody a little bit of who you are and well, what you do? I was gonna, I, I was gonna let age go before beauty. <laughs> we never talk <laughs> age on this show. This is one show we don't talk about age. <laughs> so I'll take you off the hook, Belsky. Uh, I'm Jim Nesbitt, uh, and uh, I'm I would out. point out we both have gray hair. That's all I'm gonna yeah. say. Okay. Well, well I might, and, but and I, you I don't more know of it than I do. <laughs> so well, listen, it, it's, I... it's only proper. Listen, uh, women, we just dye our hair. It doesn't matter. We, that's the thing. We, you know, uh, that's why I wish I had hair to dye. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. <laughs> okay. So I'm Jim Nesbitt. I'm the author of uh, three hard-boiled crime thrillers set in Texas and northern Mexico. Feature a uh, rather shop-worn and battered but relentless uh Dallas uh, PI named Ed Earl Birch, and uh, uh, I'm working on my fourth book, and uh, it's uh, slow going, but uh, I'm starting to really enjoy it, so I think it'll be uh, an excellent addition to the series, and the three books are The the Last Second Chance, The Right Wrong Number, and The Best Lousy Choice, and book four will be uh, The Dead Certain Doubt. Huh, that's good. Those, those are good titles. Yes, <laughs> titles are not easy. They're not not for me. They're not. Yeah, uh, okay. I, I just want to jump yeah. in. That I you I've can read, jump uh, in anytime. <laughs> I've read, I've read, I've read, uh, I've read the Ed Earl Birch, uh, Birch books, and they're really good. Uh, but uh, even better, he has those titles he comes up with. When I first heard the first one for the first book, I'm like, wow, you know. So uh, yeah. yeah, the titles are the titles just make you want to get into the book. So uh, uh, I've never, I don't have as good at titles, but I do think my books are are decent. See, it is hard with titles. <laughs> tell everybody who you are, and then we'll talk about. We, that's a good thing to talk right, about. Everybody right. Everybody well, has I'm that a, problem. I'm R.J. I'm R.J. Belsky. That's my author name. My real name. 
that I use is Dick Belsky, but R.G. Belsky is the author name. And I write a series. Now, I've written a number of books. I think I'm up to about 14 over the years. Uh, but uh, uh, the, the current series is uh, Claire Carlson. And Claire Carlson is a, a woman TV journalist in New York City. And I'm one of those people who tends to uh, write about what I know, um, mainly because I guess it's easier. And, uh, and I know I'm probably not going to make mistakes. So uh, I spent a, a lifetime in New York City journalism, and that's what I kind of write about. I was an editor at the New York Post, New York Daily News, NBC News, and a few other places along the way. So uh, I kind of draw on that for my fictional uh, newsroom uh, uh, character. Yeah, well, and I, I too have read all of, uh, not, not all of Dick's books, but uh, uh, several of them, and uh, he writes a roller coaster of a book with uh, spine bending plot twists and uh, yeah. never, yeah, yeah. never, never a dull yeah. moment. And no, yeah, uh, yeah. there's no. a phrase in journalism. <laughs> that's good, Jim. Just the way I wrote it. Just the way I wrote it for you to say, Jim. That's perfect. <laughs> thank, thank you, thank you. And, and, I'm, and, and there's one last thing you gave me to say. Uh, that yeah. uh, is a journalism phrase called fast copy, and that I think that applies <laughs> to Dick's work. It's uh, yeah. you know, it, it's it's easy to read, but uh, you know, fast well fast written read, and right. extremely entertaining. Well, yeah. one of the things about Jim and I, and you know, Jim and I have obviously been uh, friends for for a few years now. We met at uh, um, uh, Killing Asheville a while back, but uh, uh, our books are uh, our books are really different too. You know, uh, I mean, I, I like I said, I I think his books are really great. They won awards. Uh, he had some nice things to say about mine, but they're just they're just different kind of books, which is kind of cool because uh, you know yeah. you read his books and you're like, whoa, this is a, a completely different kind of character. Uh, very, you know, hard boiled, very tough, and uh, you know, I'm writing about a woman journalist who's different, which, which is kind of cool because it's, it's just nice when, you know, when books aren't, you know, they're not out of a cookie cutter. They're, they're right, they reflect exactly. what the author's feeling is. Yeah, yeah. So and Dick, Dick writes, Dick writes a more of a, you know, a classic mystery, and he, he's, he's uh, uh, really good at like setting you up to lean one way and then just taking you in a totally different direction. Um, mine are more kind of hard-boiled and bloody, you know, crime thrillers uh, more than they are mysteries. I mean, but isn't I, it good I, when you write different? Tr- isn't it good when oh, you I mean, know, I, enjoy I, other? You know, I think that's neither of you are in the cookie cutter style, which is a good thing. And that's what when people are writing, they have to try to write like who they are, you know, and what they write. So what would you say to new writers? Because all the new writers, they listen and, you know, those are, you know, it's like you're not like anybody else. Neither of you are. So that's a good thing. So what do you tell to pe- people so they are not going to try to just look at some author and go, I want to write like them, and then it doesn't work for them? Well, well you got to find your own voice. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, and it takes time. I, I, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I think you start out with someone else's voice. I know. Uh, uh, I like most people. I started out like reading Raymond Chandler, you know, yeah. and Philip Marlowe. And when I started writing, I was trying to really, you know, like, oh, I'll write like that. Uh, I think everybody starts out with a with a with a certain with a voice yeah. of somebody they admire. But then the idea is obviously you you make it your own. I think the most important advice I would tell anybody that was starting out is, yeah, it's just, you know, write write what you feel. Write what you want to write. Don't pay attention to – I mean, you're, you're going to go out and you can have ten different agents or editors tell you ten different things. Not necessarily yeah. all of them are right. 
it's important to write what you feel strongly about. I know Jim feels this way because we've talked about it. That you really care about what you write, and that you and that you're you're yeah. proud of what of what you did. And uh, I'm one of those people. For instance, I ha- I don't really get involved in beta reading groups or anything because like no, I don't, I don't want ten people yeah. to list, to tell me what they think. I know what I want the book to be now, whether or not it's successful. Um, but it's it's I want I want the first reader to be happy with it as me. And if, from that point, yeah, I but can that's true, and that's why because yeah. right. a beta reader, a beta reader. See, I don't like beta readers either because mm. I actually don't want them to. They don't know my characters like I know my characters, and I don't even right. know. You know, why am I going to take their advice? My editor, yeah, I'll take his advice. You know, because he knows right. me. He's done all my work. And he knows me, and I've done, worked with him for twenty years. But if you just are going to, you know, that's why it's important to be able to be yourself and not be, well, you know, and you're you know, told not be right listening to other people, not be listening to other people, because that can be a downfall. Bad. Really bad. You're getting pulled, you know, from all directions to, you know, particularly when you're trying to use do the uh, traditional publishing route. You know, write it like this. Try to, you know, it, it's never really explicitly said, but it's it's you're getting pushed to write it like the last big, you know, bestseller the uh, yeah. um, that agent was able to sell to somebody or write it like, like the last book he was able to sell to, you know, X publishing house. And it, unless you, you know, develop a really strong sense of, uh, you know, what you want to say in a story and how you want to say it and uh, stick to that, uh, you'll be chasing your tail. You'll be chasing after all these, uh, yeah, you need to write it this way. You need to write it that way. Well, you need to write the story as true and close to the bone as you can write it. Right. And yeah. then try to write it better. You know, and try the, to improve it yourself. Thing, the funny thing about you know what what Jim was saying because I've heard this you know so many times over the years too is that any any time you try and follow the trends, you're going to be too late because yeah. uh, you know yeah. by the time yeah. you write the book, it's a year, another year, and then it's like oh <laughs> right, we don't right. care about those books anymore. And I I you know I always use this as an example of like of like paying no attention to anything is uh, you know one of the biggest most successful books and I, I has mixed. Some people like it. Some people don't. I thought it was great. Is uh, was Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn, and and yes. that book basically violates every rule that you would be told, you know, in a writing class or anything. There's unlike the characters are unlikable. The ending is not, yeah. you know, <laughs> right, uh, right. you know, everything. Right. It jumps around. Yeah. It lies to you. It's not honest with you. Um, <laughs> if you went into a writing class, and and you know, I, I don't know Gillian Flynn, but she's a journalist who also. I mean, yeah. she just sat down and wrote that because she wanted to, and, and yeah. to me, that's that's just a great example of what you're what you're trying to do. You're not paying attention to anything. You are just writing the story you want to write, and when that works, yeah. it's um, it's really great. Yeah, and I think when people didn't know her, you know, they didn't know her very well. But you know, that's the thing. She wrote the book, and nobody knows if their book is going to be that successful. They really don't know. And when you right. talk to agents, when you talk to filmmakers, they go, "Oh, we'd like, you know, we'd like to have the next big hit." But how do, you don't know that because the person that got the hit doesn't always know it. And sometimes somebody writes something and say, "Oh, this is going to be fabulous," and it doesn't turn out to right. be anything at all. You know, so right. that's a problem. So with her book, you know, with Gone Girl, it was very, very successful. But I doubt that anybody would have thought when she just started writing that it was going to be that way. 
Right, and you, know, and you know another one like that. I've had I've had the opportunity to interview. Uh, I think you probably know, Marsha. I do a lot of interviews yes. for uh, yes. Big Thrill magazine, so I wound up getting to talk to a lot of big name authors. And one of the big thrills I had a while back was interviewing Scott Turow. And and I remember when yeah. Scott Turow, mm-hmm. you know, it's a long time now. Yeah, when, oh, yes. when his <laughs> right. first big one, Presumed Innocence, mm-hmm. came out, and that yep. was just another one I gone girl. It's just because nobody saw the ending coming or the twists, and it yep. was just like an amazing book. And yep. uh, and he wrote that he was he it was his first novel and he was a lawyer yeah. and he wrote it on the train from going Chicago back and forth right to from Chicago job. right that's yeah. right and 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 I said to him I said when you were writing it did you think did you think you know this all would happen <laughs> right. he right. said yes he said yes he said oh, I, he when did. I was writing it I kept saying because I loved it so much that he said I oh. thought this could be but he said I also thought it might be a total disaster and nobody would ever read it. So like he didn't know, but he wrote. He just threw himself into it and wrote what he wanted. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, I think when you, when you look at you know some of the he big was an attorney. He books. was an attorney, and he got a lot of his stories from you know the cases that exactly. he did. Exactly. And but his I remember his mother was in a writing class. I was in. She didn't ever talk about. I I didn't really talk to her, but mm-hmm. she was in one of the. I used to go to a workshop, but in his case, I remember people saying to me, well. The first you get into it really after the first hundred pages, and that was really true. And I'm thinking now, if you said that to someone, wait a hundred pages, they're going to go, "What?" If it's not on the first two or three pages, oh, they're going to yeah, put but the book. I, I would disagree. I would disagree with that because I mean, I've read that book a number of. I've gone back and read it, you know, almost just like a a primer. And I, I to me, it grabs. But that's me what they the said. I've heard. Right, this was years ago. Yeah. Right. I think it's a great. Sentence, I think I mean, the story is great. He's writing it. He's writing it, uh, you know, in the first part, and it's very much like Gone Girl because he's um, he's playing uh, tricks with you. You know, he's not being honest with you in the book. And, I love uh, the story. Therefore, yeah, and, <laughs> and it's all being story. told in the first. And that's the other part of when you're writing a book, and uh, uh, and 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 Jim, I, I guess your books are, are the same. It's like when you're writing a multi-viewpoint book, it's much easier to hide things. When you're writing a, a one-person book, especially in the first person, um, yeah. it becomes really hard to keep secrets because you have to you have to manipulate the reader to some degree. Yes. Yeah, that, and, that is, and I think it's it, it is it is uh, easier you know, to hide it. But the other thing you got to be careful of is that while you're writing that single you know multiple point of view is. Uh, not to reveal too much with one character when you really need to get the action of the story further right. down the line. And I find myself going back and saying, I don't want to say that here. You know, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm giving yeah, it to them yeah. too quick. You know, yeah, let's, well, let's, let's, let's keep the mystery and let's, uh, you know, let's keep the, uh, the, the suspense and set up the, uh, keep the story moving. I think so that's correct. Why do you think it is that way? With writers, though, with people that are reading the books, because we're all naturally looking for readers. But when readers say that or they put something like that out, you know, I mean, it's really kind of sad because years ago when you sent, you both will know this, when you sent books or things to be reviewed, you sent a copy, you sent it to different places, and the people were, were reviewers, okay, this, these people that are reading books out there, they're not really reviewers. They're people, if they don't like your book, they can ruin it for you, you know, and that's really a bad thing because a lot of young writers and new or not younger, even people that are just writing, they worry about the reviews they get. Well, because, you, well you, really right can't, you really can't worry about it. You have to pay attention to them because you never yeah. know when a reviewer, even a, someone giving you a bad review, is going to give you a nugget of something that will – make you a better writer. 
But you have to you have to have, keep that internal compass and internal gyroscope is a better term for it, and, and be true to the writer you you know you are. Yeah. Um, you, you just like you can't chase an agent's tail, you shouldn't chase a reviewer's tail. You know, you know? I, I was an agent, like I was an agent for all these years, for twenty years. Okay, and I just I tried something out the other day just to see because I don't really I became an agent because I know how hard it is for people, and I used to try with first time authors. So I tried myself with a first time author with, you know, as, with an agent. I just thought I'll try it out with a screenplay, and I put the little log line in and whatever and i know when i was an agent i read people's books okay and anybody i represented i had a lot of great screenplays mostly screenplays but when in even with a book you know i i knew the story what it was about but if you're going to judge something you're saying it's hard to get an agent one that's a hard you know what they say is because if they're not reading the book how can they even know what they're missing they don't know what they've missed because they look at one sentence or one uh, uh, uh let's say a whole page okay some of them will allow you to do two or three pages years ago you could send more but you can't now so all these people are out there and they don't have an agent and they can't get one you're saying you know you were using that as an example why do you think that is and how how important it is for people to have an agent when they're out there now it's not i don't think as important as it was before well, let me just go back to the first thing you said about about okay. uh, about only reading a few pages because yeah. I, I know what you're saying, but on the other hand, I know myself as a reader, and I, and when I when I write, I try and think of myself as a reader. I think, well, what would I like to to read? And that's kind of right. what, I, what what I'm trying to write. And I know myself as a reader. Um, I will pick up. Well, in the days we went, went into bookstores, I would yeah. I'll pick up a book by somebody I haven't seen. I pretty much by the first page can decide if I want to keep reading this book. Now, I might be mistaken, but there's something yeah. that it, it just gets you in the beginning. The voice, it's not even the story, it's the voice. I mean, if if it starts off with somebody describing the sky for, you know, the first hundred words, I'm probably like right. not going to read it. Uh, right. And I'm looking for that character and I'm looking for that for that person. So I do think that the... And it's something that I really work on, you know, the same way like we talked about Jim and his titles. You know, what I really work on is that first sentence of the book. You know, I want that first sentence of the book, that first page of the book to grab the reader in because I, I just feel that uh, that a lot of people will decide on that first page whether to keep going. And, and, I'm, and I'm one of those Well, people. I totally agree with uh, you. It matters. It matters. But it's really hard to do that, you know, and sometimes people can't. And sometimes the book is good, you know, whether the first – few pages aren't good you know it does take some authors you know it's just how it is you know which is but i agree with you i know like i can tell i can tell on the first page if i'm gonna if i think it's really a good project let's just say when i was reading i could tell if they're good you know unfortunately a lot of the people that are out there that when they go send an agent or try to get a book done if somebody doesn't give them you know if they if you don't give them a shot how do you know that they can't be good and a lot of people give up too fast. That's why well, I yeah. didn't show oh, a lot. Any time you limit, any time yeah. you limit the, uh, you know, the, the 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 chance of the voice punching through, uh, and put some you know kind of arbitrary limit on the uh, on the number of pages that uh, you'll look at. You know, I hear what Dick's saying. I think it's true that that, that a good writer, even if you're not doing a classic, uh, you know. Uh, grab them by the throat opening uh, a good writer their tone and their ability punches through 
even on something uh, you know, like a softer opening. But yeah. Yeah. once you start putting like that false uh, limitation on it, uh, you know, the, I, I think you, know, you get people who it, it gives it gives people who don't know how to write and don't know how to edit an easy crutch and an easy out to reject uh, doing hard work and seeing something, you know, seeing something underneath something, you know, underneath the surface of the written word. And that's, you know, how many books have you read where you're like 50 pages in and it's like, it's like something rising up out of the depths and you go, wow, this is what this story is about. Boy, how cool, you know, and, and it's got you, it's got you hooked in both a, you know, kind of an overt way and a, a subliminal way. And yeah. One of my things, of course, you know, and, 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 and Jim shares this, although I'm, you know, and I'm much, I'm, we're both journalists, but I'm a tabloid journalist, which is even a more, uh, a more intense kind of journalist. And the, the thing that I spent my life doing was putting the, putting the story in the lead. I mean, you know, that this is what it is. You put well, right, the right. W's or whatever, yeah. Yeah. the who, no. what, why, where. So you, you basically are going to write a 12-graph story, and by the first or second graph, the reader should know the basic facts of the story. Now, that's a little hard. Uh, I mean, on the one hand, it's helpful in terms of getting to the point early in a book. It also it also uh, presents problems. Uh, you know, people always say to me, well, when you went from being a journalist to a novelist, what were the problems? Well, the biggest problem I had was to, you know, I think Jim made a reference to this earlier, telling the story too fast. You know, because again, I'm I'm telling the story. You know, in in a twelve page <laughs> right. story. Right. I mean, if I tell the story on the first page of a mystery, you know, there's nothing to read. So one of the things I had to do was to slow down. I tended to go from A to B too much. So I had to go for, you know, I had a I had a to to spread it out. But I I still, you know, like I say, I'm just one of those people. Not every book is like that. But I was trying to think as we were talking. There's a couple, you know, references. I was on a panel uh, a few years ago where we talked about what are the what are the best opening lines or opening pages of any book? And, and, uh, and uh, you know, I, I remember, like, one of them was, um, uh, and it's like four words, I think, and it was Michael Conley's The Poet, which, you know, I'm a huge Michael Conley fan, and that's one of his best. It's like, uh, if, you know, it's the ulti- one of the ultimate serial killer books, and the opening line is, Death is My Beat. And it's like, and there was like yeah. a Stephen King forward on that, and it was basically like, how can you not read that and not want to keep reading? You know, like you just read that, and you go, okay, wow, well, I'm right, in. Right. And then it just goes it. from there. Yeah. It just goes yeah. from there. So not all books are like that, of course. You know, again, there's not a cookie cutter. You can write a book that, you know, that comes in much slower and get and, and gets going. But um, uh, I love, I love, I love trying to grab the reader at the beginning. And then, and then yeah, Dick, Dick you know, is, as Jim said, finding stuff as you go along. I mean, you know, kind of building it. And what's really fun is when you grab the reader at the beginning and make them think one thing, and then as the book goes on, you change that completely. Yeah, yeah and you're a yeah, past master at that. I, I think yeah. one of the things that, uh, you know, Dick and I, were both journalists, and we're both ink-stained wretches, but we, mm-hmm. you know, I came in in the 70s when long-format journalism was the rage, and Dick's a tabloid guy, you know, rat a tat tat, yep. and yep. and I'll I'll meander. In fact, we had a we had a discussion about this uh, uh, when I gave him a, a look at the uh, the last the last novel, or uh, who I can't think, but uh, I had a very meandering opening, and uh, um, you know, and Dick and I talked quite a bit about well, you, you know, you need to grab them hard and get them get them fast and. You know, I looked at that and I thought about giving more of a 
prologue opening to the uh, book, and I thought, no, I, I like this as it is, you know. But it was a valuable discussion to have, you know. Had I, you know, because I was looking at the things, thinking, have I gone too far with the meandering opening, and called it down quite a bit, but kept it. So I mean, there was valuable, you know, valuable input right. from Dick on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, you. You know, I think it's a good example. I mean, Dick writes a certain way, and I write a, a different way. And but, it doesn't mean we can't, you know, uh, give each other, you know, good advice because you know we're not that different. We we agree on the you know the storytelling basics. You know, well, because you both like each other's writing. You like each other's writing. That's number one, and that's well, why yeah, that helps talk, because that the worst thing is, yeah, the worst thing, of course, is when somebody asks you to. Uh, what you think of something, and you don't think it's very good, and that's happened on a couple of occasions. But fortunately, yeah. most of the friends that you know, Jim and I, uh, besides becoming friends, we've gotten a collection of friends from the conferences, and and almost, yeah. you know, one of the things that's good is they're all they're all really they're different, but they're but they're all really really good. But one of the things, like I said, like as Jim was, and I remembered now that Jim and I having this discussion about this a while back, but. Um, one of the things when people ask me for my opinion on a book, and you know, people say, "What do you think?" I'm always really clear about saying, "Look, I will give you what I think, but you don't, you know, I may not be right, you know, like, like, like we get back exactly. to the thing. But in the end, you should write what you want. I can tell right. you, I can say it, but that doesn't, you know, that doesn't. It, it, the, one of the reasons that we're all doing this is, I mean, look, if we wanted to make a lot of money, there's probably other things to write about that's easier to make money, like nonfiction yeah. and things like that. So unless yeah. you're Stephen King or you know, or yeah, somebody right. or, or Lee Child, you're not going to get rich. We're doing this because we enjoy the writing, we have things to say, and we want to do it. Um, right. Therefore, it's really important to write what you want or what I want right. or what Jim wants. Um, and, and if you don't do that, you're really, you're really uh, cheating yourself. Yeah, that's yeah, and, and, and basically we're storytellers. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, I'm my my kin are North Carolina hillbillies, and you know, great line of you know the oral storytelling tradition. And uh, uh, you know, I came up and discovered early that I I just had to read and I just had to write, and that's why we do it. Um, you know, it's not like we're calculating what Dick says making a lot of money because you know. I, I can't afford to quit my day job to, to just uh, write books. Um, well, I think that's, that's and, the thing. People write. You have, but you're doing it because, you know, the thing about having a book out is that the book is always going to be there, okay? So, yeah. and as as you were talking to me about, too, Jim, about and writing and reading older books, okay, those books are out there for examples for people to look at and maybe like their writing or don't like their writing, but they're, Older yeah. books, so a book never, it's out there. It could be 100 years old, 50 years old, but the books are still out there, so there will be people reading your work, and that's a good thing. Well, I, I always I always joke with my nephews, like, if I get discovered after, uh, you know, I've passed on, well, you know, please, please tell the hell out of those books and get the movie rights. So, um, but, you know, Dick, Dick was mentioning something about, you know, the influences on a writer, you know, I... Uh, when I was thinking about you know writing a novel, I mean I I was a you know hardball detective junkie and uh, read everything from Lawrence Block to the to the founders like Dashiell Hammett and Raymond Chandler, James Lee Burke and others, and inevitably 
Oh, I forgot to mention the late great James Crumley. Um, you know, it's inevitable that you'll kind of, even when you're not, trying not to, uh, you'll, you'll mimic them in some way. Um, you know, and, and as you go along, that becomes much more organic and becomes part of your, you know, your writing fabric, so to speak. I mean, it, it's it's. Uh, you're not mimicking it anymore. You're, you've uh, internalized it and made it your own. So, right. um, yeah, and you know, at this stage, I mean, every once in a while somebody will say, well, that reads just like blah, blah, blah. And I'll say, well, yeah, I mean, I, I was a big fan. I still am a big fan of so-and-so. But um, that, uh, and occasionally, you know, that, that comes out where you're, where you are engaging in a little bit of mimicry, but, but, in general, you get to a certain point where it's just part of your, you know, part of your writing voice. But that is a compliment uh, in a lot of ways. I mean, because that's saying that your style is a good style that remains a style that people will look at and read year after year and say this is a good book, you know, and that's a good thing. You're not writing. You're not copying the person. You're just using some of the. Your voice becomes stronger. Like I said, with myself, like, like I think probably almost everybody who writes a first person, whether it be detective or whoever, anything slightly hard boiled, is mimicking to some degree Raymond Chandler, um, and 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 some of the others like that. Um, But you know, yeah, you get your you get you get it. You get your own voice to it, and it it changes. I. one thing you said earlier, Marcia, too, I was uh, thinking about, you were talking about um, a lot of people don't stay at it, they try it, and they quit or whatever. Yes. Yeah. So one of the things that I, you know, talk about giving advice to young writers, I mean, yeah. so I'm in, I'm in, worked in newspapers, I worked in TV news, so um, I am constantly have people who come to me and say, oh, yeah, I want to write a novel, too, I want to write a novel. Yeah. And, you know, they say, what is advice? And my advice to all of them, which most of them don't follow, is, just sit down and write it, you know. And yeah, as that's, simple that's as what, that sounds, that's most exactly people it. No, will not do exactly. it. They will not yep. do it. Um, yeah. They 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 start to write it, then they stop, then they give up, or oh, I'm going to write it tomorrow. Right. Um, and and I know myself when I started writing. I mean, I started writing, reading a bunch of mysteries like like Jim. I was reading a little little different thing. I remember I I started with Chandler, then I got into Ross McDonald, you know, which I loved. I started yeah. reading Agatha Christie, uh, and then yeah. I said, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna write a mystery, and I sat down and I thought, oh, this will be easy. And, you know, you're staring at the, when those days was a blank page, it wasn't a screen, but uh, uh, it's really hard to do. And, you know, one of yeah. the things I was proudest of is that, you know, is that I stayed with it. I just stayed with it. And it wasn't easy, and I kept doing it. Right. And, um, and most people easy. don't do that. Right. It's not so much right. the and, talent as it's doing it, you know. Because right, a lot yeah, of people you, say you, they want to write a book. Need I, to keep, yeah. You just need to keep doing it, you know. Yes, I mean, I, I, I tell, yeah. you know, I, I, I got you know, discouraged by, you know, traditional publishing experience and, you know, put my books away for, you know, a couple of, yeah. you know, about 15 years. And that yeah. was the, you know, I have few regrets in my life, but that's a big one. You know, I should yeah. have just kept my butt in the chair and kept writing and, uh, you know, kept at it. Uh, I, I agree. That's, Rob, right. that's really important. Not a right. McDonald. Go ahead, Dick. Uh-huh. No, I was going to say, people who want to write, you know, like Jim and I both, I mean, we didn't start out at 22 writing books. You know, we did other stuff, and at some point we sat down and decided we wanted to do it. But I think people who want to write, um, you know, 
and that's a wonderful thing. Um, uh, Jim and I have a, a, a friend um, named Bruce Coffin, who's you know a pretty 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 well-selling uh, guy who writes. Yeah, about I've seen the, him on, on uh, Cops, yeah. and um, and he has a really interesting story. So he spent most of his life as a police officer in uh, in um, in uh, uh, Maine, and uh, he um, he basically had gone to college with the idea of being wanting to write novels, and mm-hmm. he, he and he I mean I he. Told, has told his story, and uh, while he was in college, this professor was so devastating to his writing. I mean, just critiqued him like, like mm-hmm. you're terrible, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. That he that he stopped writing, and he didn't write for years and years and years. And then, you know, once he sort of like as he got to the end of his police career and started retiring, he started again. And now he's won all sorts of awards and everything. Yeah. And, I, and I I always thought it's just such a great story. I mean, he it knew is. he could write. Yeah. He knew he could write, and he never yep. gave up, and now he's very successful at it. Um, and, and you know, unfortunately, like a lot of people, just give up. And, uh, and yeah. uh, you know, you, look, you don't know if you have talent until you do it. Uh, you just got to keep at it every day. I mean, the other part right. of this is, like, people think, oh, I like, wait till I have an idea. No. You sit no. Down. I mean, I can't tell you how many right. mornings I sit down, I look at the screen, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I don't have an idea. I have no idea what to write. But I keep writing, and eventually yeah. you do something. I think you have to do that, and I think that's really a good lesson for people to to learn is just, you know, because people will say, like, oh, I want to write a book. I go, well, you know, when I, when I think a lot of authors, when you sit down and start to write, your book takes shape, and sometimes, the well, I know in my case, sometimes at the beginning you just get rid of those pages and move on, you know, because right, you just right. started it. But it, it, if you don't start it, you it's not going to work. You can't, you're not, I right. think a lot of people think you just sit down and start to write a book. Well, that would be great, but that's not most authors. It takes, you write notes, you write, you know, you have thoughts, you change things around, you change your opinions of things. And I think people don't give themselves the opportunity to do that. And when people, and when you do, I know myself, I know now that I am writing a better story because I'm delving into things because I love writing scripts. And that's very different because writing scripts is just, you don't have to be descriptive at all. So, you know, you do a little, but not really, you know, and then you just write dialogue and that's it, you know, and you love that. But when you go to write a book, you have to add a lot of things, you know, and that's what I had to learn. I remember, yeah, that's the whole, yeah. I was going to say, Marcy, that we could have a whole other discussion on that because I've I've written a number of scripts too. Um, I mean, not we necessarily have ones that yes. ever got anywhere, but but I I took like screenwriting classes and all that, and 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 it's it's an interesting thing because on the one hand, screenwriting is fun because yeah, you don't have to describe the sunset or anything. You but can, it's hard. You just it's just this, <laughs> but it's hard because yes. every page in a screenplay, every word counts. Yeah. In a novel, yeah. when I'm writing a novel. I can wander. I can go yeah, off the beaten track or whatever. You got 105 pages in a screenplay. Every word, everything you say uh, counts, and it, it's a whole different, uh, different kind of writing. I know, and I've I've been optioned a lot of times, and you know it doesn't work. So I know when people tell me they go, yeah. "Oh, I'm optioned," you know, I go like, "Okay," yeah. <laughs> you know, and then they go, the, yeah. you know, and even when they're going to a small production company, they're going to get their book done. I go, "Oh, okay," and I know that's not because if I could tell you how I'd be rich if I could tell you all the people that think that they were their movies were actually going to come out. It is so hard to get a script out there into a book from a book or or a oh, screenplay. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm having next week actually on my um on my show i'm having joanna hawk and um 
Marcy Henna. Marcy Henna wrote a book, and um, it was called When We Last Spoke, and it's on a movie now. It's a movie now. Joanna Huck, she's the, the director. It's on Prime. You know, we're going to be talking about that. It's on demand, and it's all over the place. You know, it's out now. You know, right, and right. Um, they were on my show last year. They didn't have a home for it, and they got one, and it's out. But well, it's hard. It's not. It's oh, so yeah. when you see a movie out there, it is. You should say yes. It is, and some of them are not good. The movies, and you you just wonder how did they get out there because they had money to do it. That's basically yeah. how it gets out I, there. If I see a, if I see another movie based on a comic book, I'm just going to scream. You know, I mean, it's like there's there's so much there's so much good material out there. Yep. That, oh yeah. That doesn't get looked at and doesn't uh, um, no. uh, you know doesn't doesn't uh, see the naked light of day. And then yeah. you look at all this dreck, you know, that, uh, that that you get force-fed and you just go, and I'm sounding like an old cantankerous fart, which is exactly <laughs> what I am. But, don't, uh, don't you like it, you don't you like it too, Jim, when, because when, I'm sure you get this too. People will say to you, like, wow, that's great. You should make a, that's a great, I love this, Ed Earl, you should make a movie out of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's <laughs> a good idea. Yeah. Good okay. idea. How do I do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd like, love to. I get you know, that all I the time. Guys, I do. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I talk to guys, you know, hey, Jim, why don't you write a screenplay, you know? Great character, and, and your books are so cinematic anyway. And yep. You're like, yeah, yeah. Well, I can well, do that, <laughs> and change and my tale, or I can like, I can write another book. Yeah, you know. You so, know but I mean, I, I, it's good you're writing books. It's that's one of the reasons it's important because honestly, somebody can pick up your book one day and then decide to make it into a movie. And but if it's in a drawer as a screenplay, it's not happening. But in a book, well, someone could say, "Oh, I yeah. love this. I'm going to make this into a movie." It's possible. It and where possible. I'm at now, you know, I could. I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I'll take any money I get. But <laughs> you know, where I'm at in my life right now is so I've got you know probably about. Ten stories I want to write, and uh, you know I, I want to see them out there and uh, on my bookcase, and uh, you know I've got a small band of rabid fans, and uh, you know they seem to like it, so I'll keep I'll keep writing them because that's that's who I am. Um, yeah. Hey Dick, you mentioned you mentioned Ross McDonald. I, I, I'm reading yeah, Pan yeah. Got. Pam got me one of those uh, American Library Classics uh, collection of his works from the 50s, and I'm really enjoying it. I mean, it's it's like it reminds me that 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 you know his descriptions are so crisp yet you know rich and evocative. That uh, yeah, and and you talk uh, about twists. I mean, this is a guy. I mean, there and most of his books are are which I love. They're like they take place over like twenty years, and it's always something in the past, you know, that yeah. you know has come that, that's out there. And he's kind of like um, I I started reading him after reading uh, Chandler, and he's you know the the, the character uh, is uh, Lou Archer is like um, he, he's a <laughs> I don't want to say less colorful. Yeah, it's just he's he, it's more about a little bit more about the story than you know in Chandler. I mean, I, I yeah. this sounds sacrilegious, but uh, and I love Chandler. I've read all the seven novels and I've read all the short stories. The truth of the matter is, the Chandler stories are not that great. It's all about Marlowe. No. It's about the character. It, it's, so great. It, it, yeah. it, it's it's about yeah. what he thinks and what he reacts and right. his witticisms and his yeah. thoughts and you know what what he's it, gone it, through in his life. And Ross McDonald right. actually writes writes 
much uh, more complex stories. Now, I, I've often thought that, and some people have pointed out, that he's, he's sort of like one of the most underrated. People always talk about some of the great names, but yeah. he's, you know, the Dashiell Hammonds, Raymond Chandler. He kind of like disappeared, but I, I went through a period where, and he wrote a lot of books where I read them, like I think The Big Chill was one. And then, of course, a couple of them became uh, movies, you know, Harper and uh, yeah. The Drowning Pool. Yeah. With, uh, yeah. The Drowning Pool. I looked with, it up uh, after Newman. right when, right, when yeah. Jim told me about you know, So let me ask you a question. So do you think those books in today's market could make it? I don't think so. I think they're right. still good and they still hold up, but I think for the reasons we previously discussed, I don't think they I don't think they right. make the it, clear it, it the really bar. Is, yeah. 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 And and one of the things you notice really when you read some of those old books and, and Chandler is really bad at this too. There's a lot of stuff in there that would make you uncomfortable now in terms of like uh the yeah, way women yeah, are I, certainly I, I, the way yeah. women are treated, uh yeah, the way yeah, the yeah. race is dealt with, you know. Yeah, now yeah. I understand it's a completely different time. But when you're reading some of the Chandler stuff, it's like, yeah. you know, it's, you know, and like women. I mean, I, um, you know, a lot of people, again, I wound up interviewing Sarah Paretsky, and she talked at length about it because she and Sue Grafton were very big on this. In the 80s, when she and Sue Grafton started becoming bestsellers, they were like the first of the kind of the women writers. And, yeah. I mean, and not just women writers, but people who portrayed women, you know, as a strong character. You know, I, I think the line is before they were either victims or vixens or something like that, you know. And you read, you read, those, uh, you read those old books, even the great ones, and, uh, you know, women, women don't come out very well in those. They're basically just something for, you know, the detective to use in the classic sense. So She's from Chicago, uh, too, Sarah Pretzky. I think Fran and yeah, I once interviewed her years ago. Yeah, a lot of important people came yes. from Chicago, yeah. yeah I know but that. I, just I think, know. I just think, yeah, like a lot of stuff, yeah, st- some stuff just doesn't hold up. But again, it's stuff is written for the period it's written. So you can't, yeah. you can't say to, you can't say Philip Marlowe is a sexist because he's writing something in the 50s because all the, yeah. well, to me anyway, all yeah. the, all he, the he, He's part of that yeah. time. You know, the thing that struck me is that it, it, when I was reading you know, what I'm reading now, uh, I'm reading The Barbarous Coast, and uh, uh, is I, I've been struck repeatedly by just the way he handles descriptives uh, yeah. and scene setting and descriptions of people and such, and it just reminds me, well, there's another opportunity to add complexity and depth to your story and to um to you know characters in your book um you know in both the scene setting and the description of the other people that are that that uh, your main character encounters and you, you know, there's a tendency now i mean i had a i had a reader say to me I already know what eggs look like. I don't need that, you know, or something mm-hmm. something equally inane. And it's like, you know, you wanted to say to the guy, you know, I also know what the sun, moon looks like in the sun and what ground looks like. I don't need that stuff. And it's like, well, pal, why don't you just pick up a graphic novel next time because I'm trying to paint yeah. a word picture. And it reminded me that the, the reason you do that is to create that sense of place, to create, you know, uh, what that – you know, character looks like, and you know, I, I just, I just kept thinking to myself, you know, I really need to do a better job of of those descriptors. You know, kind of be crisp but still evocative. 
It's it's hard to do that. You know, I you know, you send eggs, you know, every, you, when you think of eggs, I don't know, if you think of eggs and you think of like an older movie or whatever, like Cool Hand Luke, okay? If somebody goes back and looks at that, talk about eggs, okay? You have a whole scene that people that have seen that movie will never probably forget and it's just an egg okay but it's the brilliance of how they brought it out that you remember a scene like that that's what you want people to do is remember something in your book that that you will never forget that's a really great that's something that is really important i think just even if it's the name that they like or just the way the person carries themselves or just what they've done. But that's really important that people say, oh, I like that character or I know like what they did or I liked where they lived or whatever. It's important. And even if it's not the whole book, but if it's something they carry with them, I think that's a really great thing and you've done a job. I think an author has done a job. Then the person remembers your book, I think. Well, there's right. several ways to you know define a character and – Give definition, I should say. And, you know, it's through dialogue, it's through action, uh, it's yeah. through internal dialogue. It's also, what I like to do is try to, you know, make it make the, the setting so vivid that it becomes a character unto, themse- unto itself. And, you know, how that character moves through that landscape, you know, also defines um, who they are. Uh, yeah, and yeah. You're, I guess you where remember. I was going was with the descriptives was you're miss if you don't use that you're missing another chance to a drive the story along and b define who your characters are. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, think, and, it, and, think, and, and it ain't just it ain't just giving the character a dog and a wife and some domestic silliness, right? You know, <laughs> right, right, which right. is which is what which is I think what people a lot of people mean when they say character development you know it's like uh which is just kind of cliche and hackneyed to me you know there's so many other richer ways to uh now when you develop a character character, when you develop a character do you write the character out first or do you let the character develop either of you can take that one you know do you or do you let just i don't i don't write anything i don't write anything out no i mean i don't write anything i don't need it i just let it play out um you know i tend to write uh one of the greatest things, of course, you know, that I love about a character setting is when, and you know, when you're lucky enough to have somebody say, you know, something like, you know, like like Claire Carlson was, would be like, wow, I just love spending, you know, three hours with this woman, you know, or something like that. Like, like somebody just enjoys the company of your yeah. character because that's what that's you're great. trying to do. And yes. um, one of the, exactly. one of the things, right. one of the things that I have to, I don't say work on because it, it actually comes pretty natural because I I draw on a lot of characters I knew in the New York media world and kind of put them together into a character like yeah. a Claire Carlson. But one of the most important things is, is you know, you can't, you can't make your character too good or too perfect. You know, like the yes. flaws are what make the character. And whether yeah. the flaw be yeah. they're a drinker, they're a, you know, they're, right. their Something. personal life is screwed up, uh, whatever it is, um, that's what people, that's what attracts people. Because if, if you write a perfect character and it's right. this handsome, good-looking, you know, it's not that interesting. And uh, so, no. like, yeah. with, with most of us, well, I know certainly with that, Errol Birch has a lot of flaws, and so does Claire Carlson. Yeah. When I, when, and Dick's heard me say this before. You know, when I, I started writing the first novel, you know, I wanted a character who was, you know, tough, smart, resilient, but also deeply flawed. I didn't want him to be the sharpest. I didn't want him to be like Sam Spade or or Marlowe. Uh, 
and yeah. I didn't want it to be super cool like uh, you know Steve McQueen's Bullet. I wanted yeah. something that uh, that every reader, you know, the every man could identify with, and I think that's you know, that's what you know Dick's getting at with give your guys some flaws. It makes yes. them interesting. It yeah. also makes them accessible. You yeah. know, it's like yeah. uh, in my mind. I mean, I, I you know, I, I haven't. Um, I've only seen the movies, but uh, you know, like a uh, like characters like Jack Reacher bore me because they they don't seem all that flawed. Uh, you know, uh, I I I like much more looking at and reading like a Harry Bosch, you know, because yeah, 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 yeah. He 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 he's got his edges and uh, and flaws and you know, for the world to see. So. Well, that's why well, a lot of stars. I was just going to say that I, I've actually I know what you're saying, Jim, and and they're completely different kind of characters in some ways. But I actually find the Lee Child books pretty readable. <laughs> you know, they're they're they're, <laughs> they're they're really easy to get into. But right, Harry Bosch is a whole different level, which is he's got a lot of issues. So, um, but they're both that both both of them are two of my favorite books. So you know, or series. See, but when people like they say issues, you know, and that's a good thing. I mean, you know, because people even when you're writing, even when I'm writing a romantic comedy or something. The people are not, per- they have problems. They've, you know, they have inner problems that they have to solve themselves. You know, you just don't want somebody that just is a yes person or just has never gone through anything because it's not quite very interesting. You know, you want someone that's had right. some issues, you know, because everybody, who doesn't have issues in their life? Well, the other everybody. thing that I do, I, I try and do, uh, that, that I do a lot with Claire and some of my other characters is, is, uh, you know, she's got a big mouth, and she says things that are not always the smartest thing to say. And that's kind of fun because it's like these are things I would never say to somebody or do in real life. Right. But, uh, you know, right. some, somebody I said know. that's why, like, let Larry David on Curb Your Enthusiasm. He yeah. says all the things everybody wants to say but would be afraid to say it. <laughs> right. But I've had people uh, – so right. I have a lot of fun with that. You know, and I've had people, another, this is like a come. I had somebody, you know, who liked the Claire character. He said, look, you know, I like her. I said, but there are times, he wrote this interview, he's like, there are times I just want to take her by the neck and throttle her yeah. and tell her to yeah. shut up, you know. Yeah. And But, I mean, that's in a good sense because that's the character. I mean, and that's her. That, you well, know, I wrote it. Right. I wrote off, a story yeah. like that, too, because, you know, I wrote somebody that's not like me in any way, Virginia Templeton. And people, and that is, mm-hmm. I never would act the way she does and talk, but. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun to write, and you know, and I'm making notes on it all the time because I'll th- see something, I'll go, oh, Virginia would do this, or Virginia, not me, Virginia <laughs> would, okay? But I think it's fun to have somebody, right. and I'm wondering what regular people sometimes think of because I know you're probably all all of us are probably thinking of our characters and something, but what do other people think of when they're not doing anything? I don't know. You know, I'm not. I don't know what I'd be thinking of if it wasn't people. I, my characters, like you know, they pop in yeah, my head. Yeah. Do you don't you feel that sometimes? It's like what they think about. You know. Oh yeah, I'll I hear mean, my character talking, and I'll sit down and I'll write a couple of lines, and sometimes I'll write down a few lines of dialogue, and I have absolutely no idea where it will fit in, but I'll just I'll yeah. say, well, that's kind of, <laughs> I know well, this is I could have her say <laughs> this. I don't know why, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, and I think Dick and I are both. Uh, what's the term, Dick? We're both kind of pantsters. I don't think either one of us does detailed outlines and details. No. I don't character either. Right. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. And you just you just uh, you know you just let the, let the story on the person, take you right, where it right. is. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, my my classic 
you know, my thing I tell people is that, you know, in my first book, uh, Carla Sue Cantrell, uh, like, is essentially the second main character. I just meant her as a plot device to get Ed Earl from yeah. point A to point B. Yeah. And and she just leapt out and took over a chapter, and I thought, where the hell did this gal come from? And, and, yeah, and you know, I think, right, it made that's the a good book. Thing. Yeah, it yeah, and I think if you if you if you detail the outline too much, you wind up missing that sponta- spontaneous yes. combustion, yeah. that magic. Yeah. Right, I, I agree on that totally. I mean, you know, I think people I think people like that, but it's not everybody can do that. They some people have to have a detail detailed outline, and I do think you know people sometimes think uh, myself let's just say you know like sometimes they'll say they, they might not think i am i am a very organized person but they may not think i am because i just go over a lot of you know i talk a lot and i do different things and even on my show we discuss different things but i know what we're going to talk about in my head because i know the authors that are on my show you know or people so i think sometimes right. people don't think authors you know are as organized as we are even if we don't write it in a you know, because you have it in your head. It's it's somewhere it's, there. It's all it, it's all different because not everybody. You know, I I think I think it was uh, uh, I think it was Jeffrey Deaver. You know, obviously another big best selling person uh, uh, who basically writes a two hundred page outline before he writes the book. Now, right. if you think about that, I'm not even yeah. sure that's it's an outline. But he spends a tremendous amount of time. I mean, if you think about it, if it's a four hundred page book, you got a two hundred page outline. I mean, you yeah. pretty much have almost the book by that point yeah but i mean that, right. again again <laughs> yeah. it's not right around it works for him yeah. you know yeah and, uh, um um and then you have research and then the other part of it is i know people who spend weeks and months researching a book before they they do it i do almost right. no research you know that's just me yeah because i tend to write about things i know i tend to write about newsrooms right. if i right. write about uh some city outside new york i write about a city i've been to you know like if, if jim and i are in dallas or you didn't go last year but if we're in Nashville, I'll write yep. about Nashville. If we're in Dallas, I'll write about, you know. Uh, yep. I, I try not to do a lot of research, not only because, you know, I'm lazy, which to agree I am with the research, but also because <laughs> I just think I just think it's, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's, it, research to me sometimes can slow a book down because you can have too much research. You know, you can yeah. have too yeah. many facts in it. Uh, well, and I don't, I don't want to keep the book moving, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, the trick is, you know, when you do your research, I mean, I, I come at this from slightly different angle. You know, I, I learned this as a as a young reporter that that who had a tendency to try to write around things uh, that he didn't that he didn't know. Uh, that hey, facts are your friends, and mm-hmm. you know, the more facts you got, the better foundation for your writing. Now, you don't have to regurgitate each and every fact. But it's you know, it's there they are there and give your writing I think a power that it otherwise wouldn't have. Um, right. Dick and I, you know, one of the killer Nashville things. There was a guy there who <laughs> I knew, took his I knew you were go there, way <laughs> too far, way too um, to the point where uh, he's writing and I think the setting is like 1957 Los Angeles, right. and he tracked down the playlist from one of the top 40 stations so he could make reference to what was on that station at the time his character wow. was in Los Angeles. Wow. And, and to and me, I, that's that's just, I think Dick's wow. classic line was, hey, you, you're writing fiction, buddy. You know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. 
right. You know, and, but, and, but, you but know, if that's... you don't, if you don't get that detail right, you know, you can you can turn off a reader in a heartbeat. You well, know, that's and, the other and, thing, right, Jim? You, you and, know, and, and, and balance. Yeah, I was just it is. I think I that mean, balance is crucial between fact and and fiction. Like, right, you yeah. need to have you need to have the basics right. But then, you know, one of the things that I find kind of amusing sometimes is probably one of the most almost everybody who read my books will say or reviews the books they'll say, well, one thing one thing we know is we're getting a real authentic view of a newsroom because Belsky, you know, because I spent all these years there. Right. And this yeah, yeah, is yeah. what a newsroom is really like. Except it's not. Because, you know, yes, there are elements of what I'm doing, but the truth of the matter is, and, and Jim knows this, day-to-day in a newsroom can be pretty boring. I mean, it's not that interesting. Yeah. You go to work, you sit at your desk, there's no yeah. story, you're not doing anything really that interesting. You know, you're not going to write a book like that. You're writing a book where there's always a big breaking story and all that. So well, right, I, right. I really balance that, that you know, the the facts of what a newsroom is, but this isn't a real newsroom. This is a fictional newsroom, yeah. and my right. character yeah. is fiction, and that's and that's uh, that that's that to me is that you can get that right uh, with anything. Well, I remember, a lawyer you know, or I went a private to, eye, whatever. You know, you know, I went years ago to a courthouse all the time. I used to go all the time. I was when I was doing screenplays because I wanted to be accurate and see what it was like, and so I would sit there day after day, and so eventually. <laughs> The judge got to know me, and they wanted to know what I'm doing. And then the prosecutors, because I was there writing notes, and they don't love that. So then they, right. yes, they so, no, said yeah. me, so the prosecutor says, "What are you doing here?" You know, so it was a woman came up to me on when they were on a break, and I said, "Well, I really, I just want to know. I just want to watch what you guys do and just see how you act." And she goes, "You know, it's so boring." She says, "Why are you doing this?" We're, you know, because they go in day after day. It was small cases, right, you know, right. it was small court. But then she said, "But." If you came with me to the jail, she said, you yeah. have no idea. She goes, and then you see the guys there with, without their suits on and how they really look and how they act. Then you got a story. But here, it's right. nothing, you know. And But yeah. I was just listening, you know. But I just wanted to feel it, you know, feel what it was mm-hmm. like, you know. But they noticed me writing notes. They're going, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, what are you What's doing? You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it was fun. I mean, that's, you know what, those are things that if you do later on in life, you remember it, you know. And in yeah. your writing somewhere, because when you, as you get older, I, I never use age, but as you get older, you've learned different things. So you do get to be, you know, have more experience with things. As when you're younger, you you might not have thought the same way because it's just life, you know. You learn more. You know, I think so that's this how. Point about, well, like Jim, I, I think, think that, we uh, we. I just yeah, I write as a, I started writing as an older person as I'm sure Jim did, so it's a different way of looking yeah. at it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah I and and just point I, I about a uh, newsroom yeah. is like you know, yeah, it, it, it's not that way all the time, like it is in in Dick's books, but because Dick has been there, done that, he's not going to get the the details wrong that will right, cause exactly. somebody to yeah. call down on yeah. it. He can move his story forward confidently because he knows yeah. he's got the background. That's you know, right. And that's what I mean. You know, you don't, when I talk about scene setting, you don't sit there and do a travel log. Right, uh, exactly. Or if, if you're setting your books back in time, you don't sit there and, like, make it sepia-tone uh, history. Yeah. You know? But yeah. you use those elements, uh, you know, to move the story forward. So, if, right. if it doesn't, get rid of them. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And I've had I've yeah. had moments where people would say, "Oh, nothing like that would ever happen in a real newsroom." Like somebody takes a punch at their editor, and I say, "Oh yeah, it did, and I was there, and I saw <laughs> right. it." You know, like, right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. Back in right. back I mean, in the day, yeah. it might have been me taking that swing. No, but yeah, you know, yeah. people do do react in different ways, you know, and that's what makes writing so exciting is that we can use everything we've seen, or you know, somewhere, and it's it's in our head somewhere. You know, we keep things right, in our head, right. you know, and it comes out in our sometimes, you know, and then when you look at something and you've written it and you several years ago and you go, where was I thinking? What what was I doing at that time when I did that? <laughs> Don't you ever feel that? You know, like, where did that come from? How did I get that story? But you do get, doesn't it happen? It does happen, you know, oh, yeah. and you, you're surprised yourself, which is a good thing surprise ourselves all right so it's been a great hour it's been fun you know and i have both of your uh websites on my show page so if they want you okay. you know you wrote theirs or any I, last I, words anybody wants say to one say thing? yes you could say, I I was say one say. thing very quickly marcia i know you yes. know this um i want to talk about, about minutes, tonight tonight yeah That's in about what 30 I minutes i'm going to be doing a uh uh, yeah. Mystery Writers of America in New York is doing a well. We used to do readings in a in a bar, which was great. Uh, but since nobody goes anywhere anymore, we're doing it on yeah, Zoom. Yeah, I know. But uh, I'm me and like six other uh, authors will be reading, and I'm going to be reading actually from the next Claire Carlson, which will be out in May. How do you get in? So can anybody an get in there? That's what I want to ask you. What, that, you know, can you just watch it or no? Is that on live? Yeah, so it, it's uh, it's on the Facebook. Uh, it's yeah, on, I was looking for it again to the today. MWA okay. New York Facebook. It's, they're going to stream it on their Facebook page. So all you have okay. to do is uh, – I don't think you even have to Zoom it or anything. I think you can just go to uh, – Listen. Uh, to uh, on Facebook, Mystery Writers of America New York, and okay. uh, it'll, it'll live stream. Yeah. Okay. And um, so uh, that's – it should be pretty easy to get to. But, I mean, you've uh, done, I watch, yeah, so you've well, done a lot of stuff. You've done a lot of stuff over this last year, you know, where most people have done nothing. Well, Dick's war name is Machine. He's just been—he's everywhere, and he's—he just keeps keeps cranking it out. You are well, except you know, know, we—I used to go to about it's a half dozen of the conferences a year, and uh, yeah, you know, know. unfortunately, I really miss that. You know, God knows what'll happen this year, although a lot of them are already canceled. So, uh, yeah. but that, that's nothing beats that because look, we do, I've done a lot of zoom and things like that and, yeah, but nothing yeah. beats like meeting people, you know, and having, I know that, I know, there's nothing, there's no libraries, yeah. there's no bookstores, there's nothing. It, it's so yeah. sad, you know, hopefully, you know, I mean, cause I think people really do want to talk to authors. I think they enjoy it, yeah. you know, a lot. Yeah. So I think, you know, that hopefully that will remain, that will come back in another, you know, who knows when, you know, maybe next year it'll be better, you know. Yeah, and also the camaraderie among the authors, and, you know, because Jim and I have discovered this over the past few years, I mean, we've made a whole collection of new friends uh, yeah. through all these yeah. conferences, and, uh, and, and it's great because we all, you all share the same thing, which is this love of writing, and uh, yes. and everybody is kind of real helpful to the other person, and uh and we still, you still have that, but it's it's just not the same as being able. I mean, look, it's a lot more fun to be hanging out at the bar with Jim Nesbitt than it is to be yeah. on the phone with him. I mean, being yeah, on the phone with him, but it's person, you know, it's better. Oh, yeah. I, I know, I know. Believe me, I'm I know. I didn't. I don't because like I, traveling too much. I don't like, time, but right, now Belsky? I will. Yeah. What's that? Mm-hmm. But I'm a. It's because I'm a rumor in my own time, right? 
<laughs> well, I don't know if people if people should look at a picture of Jim Nesbitt. He is uh, he is probably about as colorful <laughs> it's a in real life as anybody <laughs> as anybody you'll uh, see. And uh, I have great envy for his attire, his hats. All he knows this, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah, so, because uh, you look like you could be in a you look like you'd be the character. <laughs> you look like you could be out there like in a, in, in a movie doing a character. <laughs> Well, and, and I'm looking at a picture right across from me now from taking about 35 years ago, and I, I was out there back in the day. You know, I've got <laughs> Chico's Mountains in West Texas. I've got yeah. a Resist All cowboy hat on, and my my yeah. buddy Joel Salcedo is taking the picture, and he's now – he graciously loaned me a, a photo uh, that's on the cover of the last book, so – yeah, uh, you know it's. Um, and it does depend on where you, you're you from. Dick, are, Dick, are you from? Aren't you from New York? Are you from New York? I'm well. I'm originally from Ohio, but I've lived Ohio. in Ohio. Oh, oh my God! I'm. I, well, I've you lived in New York. Time. I mean, I'm in Chicago. It's a whole different lifestyle. You oh know, yeah, yeah. Then yeah. You really, it is. You know, when you're in New York, California, or you know, in in the good times, you know. But uh, you yeah, know, it's very when, when different. When we, we could go outside, you mean? <laughs> yes, when we could do something. Uh, we can go outside. All right. Anyway, all right. Thank you both very much, and uh, let's Thanks. do it Thanks again. I just me. like these kind of shows. We just kind of talk, and I think it's more fun that way. Just enjoying whatever comes out, right? Thanks. Much. Well, I get to guests. talk to you. So I you get guys, to talk you to you guys. here, and I get to talk to you on Fran's show sometimes too. <laughs> yes, so it's right. great, you know. <laughs> all right. Take care. All right. Take care, everybody, and thanks so much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks very much. Bye bye. Good to hear from you, Bye bye. Thanks, Marcia. Talk to you, Jim. Bye bye. Bye bye. Take care.